Father, we do, uh, we lift up Arlen to you. Pray that you would continue that healing, Lord. It sounds like it's gonna be a long process for uh, repairing his shoulder, but God, I thank you for getting that uh, blood out of his lungs, and we just pray that you would guide the doctors. I, I know that they're, they're asking just for a prayer for wisdom for the doctors, for the team of medical people working on him and, and uh, being with him. So we lift that up. We lift up the family. We lift up Cynthia and the kids, God, and just pray that you would give them peace. Lord, wrap them, God, in, in your peace and in your comfort and bless them. And Lord, we do pray that you would give him that, that good quick, strong recovery. And Lord, we do look forward today as we get into your word. God, teach us, guide us, touch our hearts, Lord. Let this be a time where, God, we are just sitting at your feet learning from you. And Lord, that we can take what we learn and apply it to our specific situations, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter where we're at, no matter what circumstances are happening, God, just again, work in us and be glorified through us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we continue here, John spent last week letting us know what love is not. Now this week we're gonna look at what love is. He's kind of doing that contrast. And John, remember, we've kind of spent some time on, on moral issues that we need to deal with as a church. And now we're shifting a little bit into relational issues. And I think that's important. I think as a body of believers, we're supposed to be in a relationship, obviously, with the Lord. But we're also supposed to be in a relationship with one another and involved in each other's lives. So John, I, what I like about this section is he defines love for us. And... You know, all of us may have different uh, ideas. We may think love is this or think love is that, but it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what does the Bible say and what is true love? Now, in the English language, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard this, but we're gonna go over it for those who haven't. In the English language, we have one word for love, right? Like, I love food. I love to eat. And I, thank you. And I love my wife, but that's not the same, right? At least I tell her that, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's not the same, right? I love my wife is a different thing. And so we only have one word. In the Greek language, especially in the ancient Greek language, they had several words for love that they would use to, so that you would know exactly what they're talking about. So I have some definitions here, and even to get into them, I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit and, and read a little bit about what, what uh, uh, the setup is for this. It says, to understand the biblical idea of love, we should begin by understanding the vocabulary of love among the ancient Greeks who gave us the original language of the New Testament. So we're gonna dive into that a little bit. And the first word that they have here is the word eros, which uh, was one word for love, and it described what we might guess from the word itself, an erotic love or sexual love. So they had that word, then they had another word, the second word, <clears throat> excuse me, is storge, and it referred to family love or the kind of love a parent has for a child, that sort of thing. And then the third word is philea or philia, and it spoke of brotherly friendship and affection. 
it is a deep love, uh, I'm sorry, it is the love of a deep friendship and partnership. So you kind of get that idea. Then the fourth word is a word that is used generally when we're speaking about God's love for us. It's agape. And it describes a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. And I think it's important that we understand. John is talking to us about that love and that we would get that in our minds when we think about what he's telling us and what he's calling us to do. So he says here in verse 16, he says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. So here's what he's saying. We know love. Now, if you have the original King James, I don't know how many people are, are, are still in that, but if you have the original King James, it says love of God. Of God should not be in there. He's talking about love. And he says, by this we know love because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So that's what we're looking at. That's the definition. And then he finishes this verse with, and we also ought to lay, lay down our lives for our brethren. Now, John's not promoting that you and I can die for one another's sin. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about we need to be people who are willing to set ourselves aside for somebody else. I believe, listen, I believe as a church, if we would do that more and more and get us out of the way and lift others up, we would see the Lord do some incredible things. We would see lives changed. We would see uh, things happen that I, I don't even think we can imagine at this point. I believe, listen, I believe it's important that we understand if we really care about somebody, we're gonna try and lift them up. And to lift them up, here's what you have to do. You gotta get under them. And you gotta get below them and you gotta push them above you. And in the world, that's a dangerous thing, right? In the world, we're all trying to get our place and, and get our position, and et cetera. But in the church, listen, we're supposed to be lifting one another up and pushing others. Hey, you can help somebody along, but if you just help them along, all you're gonna do is, is bring them to where you're at. But if you truly love somebody and serve them, lay your life down, you can lift them beyond you to do things beyond you. The reason I went into this ministry that, that I'm doing, pastor, teacher, is because I wanted to lift others up. I wanted to see them grow and become all that God has for them. So listen, he says, we gotta lay our lives aside. We gotta, we gotta lay our lives down for the brethren. Then he says this, which is interesting, but whoever, in verse 17, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now listen, John's getting kind of, now John gets a little bit personal, right? Now he kind of gets in our face. And he says, hey, it's one thing to lay down our life, notice in verse 16, for the brethren, plural. In verse 17, it's for the brother, singular. You see, it's one thing to love generally, but it's a whole different thing to love specifically. And listen to this quote, this is an old dead guy. I love quoting the old dead guys. Listen to what he says. Loving everyone in a general way may be an excuse 
for loving nobody in a particular way. Oh, that's a little bit, that's a little bit convicting, isn't it? You kind of read that and go, ugh. If he wasn't dead, some of us would want to kill him. Right, but listen, I think it's important we understand that. So when he's saying, listen, when he's saying, you know, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, he's not talking about, he's not talking about just a glance or, or even listening to somebody's, quote, sob story. He's talking about being involved with that person enough to know here is their critical need and I have the ability to meet that. I can come alongside them and do something about that. But here's what we have to do. We gotta get to know each other. Oh, really, Pat? Yeah, like you gotta like each other in here. And listen, we're part of a culture that is becoming more and more isolated, not just because of this pandemic stuff. Hey, before the pandemic, how many of us drive to our house, drive in the garage, shut the door, and go in the house, and we don't interact with anybody around us? Because God forbid if we had to talk to somebody. And then in the church, how fast can I get out of here? Right? Some of us, not calling out anybody, but some of us go out the side door, right here, right into the parking lot. Sorry if you're one of those. Not calling you out, just like saying it. How are you going to love each other? How are you gonna even find out if your brother has a need and that you could meet it? Do you, see what, do you see what John is telling us? Listen, this thing called the church is supposed to be different than the world. We're not supposed to bring the world in. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be involved in each other's lives. We're supposed to be caring about each other. And I, I do know this. We get involved in each other's life when we're sin-sniffing but we want to get each other's life when somebody's hurting and something's going on. So listen, Jesus calls us out and he says, and now here's the thing that he does say, listen, when you do that and you shut up your heart from that person, here's what he says. How does the love of God abide in him? Now, he's not saying you don't have salvation. He's just stating a fact that when you're doing that, hey, you're closing out the spirit. The love of God is not abiding, living, dwelling in you. Not in the sense of salvation, but in the sense of moving through you. And he's just making a statement. The thing that I find funny is some people want to fight and argue about the end of this verse. Well, I don't think you can end. And they get into some weird stuff. And he's not saying that. He's calling us out and asking us, hey, is this going on in your life or not? Now, I think he's talking about the church. But we also need to understand, we need to meet some needs out there. People, but he's not promoting, listen, he's not promoting us to become a big social work to take care of everybody. He's asking us to get involved somewhat. Recently, it came to my attention that the city has this thing in our city. They're called, uh, they're called Better Bucks. And you buy this coupon, and it costs $6. It's a coupon book, and you can give it to somebody, and it has some coupons for food. It has some coupons for uh, different things. They can use them like at Walmart or Culver's or Fry's, and it also has a bus pass. 
We're going to, as a church, we're going to purchase a whole bunch of those, and you can just buy them at the, at the information center, just pay what we paid for them, and then you can go out and give them to somebody. Because I know a lot of us, listen, a lot of us, we don't want to give anybody money because we're afraid they're going to do whatever with it. Well, this is a way kind of to circumvent that, but it's a way that I think as a church, we can learn to become a little bit more compassionate. And we can get involved a little bit more. So we're going to launch that in a couple weeks. We're not quite ready to launch it yet, but we're going to launch it and we'll let you know and they'll be available to do. So listen, John's talking about in here, but he's also talking about out there. And we need to be, listen, we need to be people who we understand that God has blessed us, we can bless others. Now he goes on a little bit as he's talking about that. And again, he says, if you shut up your heart, and then he says, how does the love of God abide in him? And then verse 18 is, my little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So he's saying, let's not just talk about it. Let's don't, listen, don't just listen to me this morning and think about, yeah, I need to do something. You know what, today, why don't you talk to somebody in here you don't know? Really? Like you really want me to have a conversation with them? Like, I don't want to. Well, I know that. But why don't you stop and do it? No, I don't think so, Pat. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to get out that door as soon as I can. What if somebody talks to me? What am I going to say? And we kind of, you get, don't just, listen, don't let this just be words. But start making it part of your life and then he gives us a clue. He says, do it in deed and truth. You see, I don't think we're ever called to validate people's bad life choices. I don't think God's called us to do that. And some people get caught up in the whole thing and they're gonna validate somebody's bad life choices. We're not called to do that. We're called to genuinely be involved in people who have a genuine need. And he says, listen, think about that. So not just, listen, not just with words, but in deed and truth. Now he's going to kind of develop the whole truth thing as he's brought that up in verse 19. He says, and by this we know that we are of the truth. How can I know that I'm of the truth? Because I'm, I'm getting involved in people's lives because I'm starting to walk in the reality and the light that God has shown me. And then he says, so he says, listen, by this we can know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Hey, you wanna, have, you wanna have assurance in your life? Start living out the gospel. I think it's pretty easy what he's saying. He's not, he's, listen again, he's not saying whether you're saved or not, he's saying whether you have assurance or not. That's a big difference. You see, you can walk and not be assured of something, or you can, man, and here's what I find in my life. I'm always amazed when God does something in my life and allows me an opportunity to do something that's so not me. And then that thing happens and I go, wow. And you walk away from that, and here's what you walk away from. God is awesome. Because you know he did it, because you know you would never have done that. Nor, oftentimes, do you have the ability to do that. So you wanna have assurance of God working in your life? Open yourself up. Again, talk to somebody after church and be a little bit more open about things and see what happens. So he says, listen, then you get that assurance, right? 
And he says, he says, and then he goes on, listen, we assure our hearts before him, verse 20, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. So we go along, and here's the thing. At times, our hearts will come against what we're doing. And he says, listen, our hearts condemn us, our emotions. That's what he's talking about. And we feel all condemned, and we feel worthless and useless. And here's what he says, but God is greater than our hearts. Remember in the beginning of this letter, John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's talking about the same thing here. Hey, when, when you do something stupid, I'll use that word, do you know God's greater than that? And he says, you come to the Lord. We gotta be people who are open and honest. Listen, we're never gonna be open and honest with each other if we're not open and honest with him. And so when our hearts condemn us, here's what we need to know. God is greater than my heart. God knows me better than I know me. God has a handle on who I am way better than I do. I think I know, but I don't. And then as he's talking about, about that and that, you know, that, that heart condemning us, then he says, listen, he says, God's greater than our hearts and knows all things. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So here's the thing. I like having confidence towards God. I like having confidence in my salvation. You guys hear me say sometimes, I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Not because of Pat. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. But I know I'm going to heaven. I, I, I have confidence in that. But there's occasions where things slip in. And I go, oh, now not that I think I'm not going to heaven, but man, I lose that confidence. But when your heart doesn't condemn you, and what does Hebrews say? We go boldly into the throne of grace. Not arrogantly, boldly. Why? Because we know who we are, we know whose we are, and we know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. So he says, listen, man, you have that now. Listen, and now he says in verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Oh, now we're kind of getting into this whole thing of prayer. You go boldly and have confidence with the Lord. And then John makes a statement that some people take as a blank check and some people even take verse 21 as, as this whole idea of a works thing. And listen, if I'm obedient to God, if I'm loving other people, and I do the God's will, then he has to answer my prayer. That's not what he's saying. I don't know if you know this, but like God's not at your beck and call, right? I, 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 hate, to, I hate to like shock some of us, but he doesn't exist just so we can get everything we want. If he did, we would all have tons of junk, right? I'm grateful for the times when God says no. I'm not grateful in the times when God says no. But after the fact, right, you look back and you go, oh, thank you, Lord. 
right? You want certain things, you ask for certain things, and you know at that moment those are important in your life, whether they're relationships, whether material things, whether spiritual things, whatever they are. And God, and, and here's what people say, God doesn't answer my prayer. I'm the spoiler guy. And I go, yeah, he does. He said no. Most of us don't like that word, right? But he says no. So John's not here saying, okay, here's how you get every prayer answered. Here's what you need to do. You need to be somebody who you make sure you're taking care of your brother. You need to be somebody that you're keeping his commandments. And you need to make sure that you're somebody that you do things that are pleasing in his sight. And you kind of get into that and you, and you kind of start building a formula so that God has to answer your prayer. That's not what John's saying. John's saying, listen, if we're people and we're walking close to the Lord, we're gonna know, first of all, more what to pray for than what not to pray for. We have a better attitude and we're gonna be in tune with God. And generally, here's what I find, when I ask things according to his will, he usually says yes, because it's according to his will. So listen, he, again, not giving us a formula, he's just saying, just start walking with the Lord and doing what the Lord, listen, and, and walking with him and abiding in him. And then he says, listen, now he gets into the abiding part. He says, we do those things pleasing in his sight, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Oh, oh, we're back to that issue. Here's his commandment singular and then he gives us two things, right? Here's his commandment singular, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love our brothers. Wow. Have you ever thought about your relationship with Jesus and loving others is wrapped up in one issue? Because that's what John is letting us know. Now, I do love the fact that he brings up, listen, he does bring up the fact that we have to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, remember who was infiltrating that church and what was going on there. They were trying to give a different Jesus, another Jesus, not the son of God, not the Jesus of the Bible, so they're trying to slip that in. And here John kind of slips in. Here's the commandment. You need to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you remember? Do you remember when one of the one of the rulers came to Jesus and they said, "What is the greatest commandment?" Remember, they're wanting to because you know what that that just shows that's how we all are. Like there's 613 commandments. It's hard to figure out which is the best. And then God gave the top ten, right? Kind of laid those out, and this guy says, "But which is the greatest?" Because here's the thing, if I can keep the greatest, I'll be great. And so, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And remember what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. But he didn't leave it there, did he? He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think John was there that day? From the way he writes this, do you think, you think he might have been listening and hearing what Jesus said? Because he says, listen, he says, here's his commandment. What did he just say? 
If you want to, listen, you want to have that dynamic relationship with the Lord, you got to keep his commandment. And here's his commandment, that you believe in the name of his son, and the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that you love one another just as he commanded us. Oh, and then he says this, now he who keeps his commandments and abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So here's what he's letting us know. Listen, there's this whole idea in all of this. Listen, all of this comes back to this whole relational thing. Are you hanging out with Jesus? Not just are you hanging out with Jesus this morning. I know we come into church and we're all holy, right? And we're like, woo, we got our holiness on. We got our, we got our goodness on. We're kind to each other. Usually you guys aren't real rude to each other. Occasionally you're rude, but not generally. And we come in and, and listen, we got, uh, and we act all that. And we go, no, I'm not talking about t- right now. I'm talking about this afternoon. How about when your team loses this afternoon? had to bring that up <laughs> are you abiding in him Jesus in John 15 I'm just going to read part of it read John 15 for homework because it's a good passage for what we're talking about here but here's what Jesus says if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you do you think John it's interesting John wrote the book of John But do you think the same John here that wrote the book of John was hanging out with Jesus when Jesus said those things? Because he says, listen, you want to see it happen, you need to abide in him and have him abide in you. Jesus needs to be abiding in you. He needs to be, and I know this is going to sound weird, he needs to be comfortable in you. Do you do things and go places where Jesus goes, I'm not very comfortable here. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit like nudge you and say, why are we here? And here's what we generally do. And we squish them down, right? And I don't want to hear that. And then we go to prayer the next morning and Jesus says, I want to talk about what we were doing yesterday. I don't want to talk about that right now. You know what? Oh, man. Sorry, I got to run. And there goes our quiet time. Do you hear what John's saying? You want to have a good quiet time? You want to have a dynamic time with the Lord? Then allow him to abide in you. Oh, he, he finishes that. I didn't, I didn't finish that. He says, listen, that, you know, we abide in him, he abides in us, and by this we know that he abides in us. How? By the spirit he has given us. Oh, do you know that it took John three chapters to bring up the Holy Spirit? But now he brings up the Holy Spirit who's indwelling in us. And here's what I found. When the Holy Spirit, listen, when the Holy Spirit's busy convicting me of sin, he can't be busy at the same time simultaneously causing me to mature and grow in my understanding of Jesus. He's trying to convict me of sin and he's working overtime because I'm pretty stubborn. And he's like, Do you know this is going on? Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. I'm out of here. And we push him down. So listen, and and I love the idea the way he brings up the spirit kind of in a non, you know, nonchalant way. He goes, hey, and by here's how he abides in us, by the spirit he has given us. He's given us his spirit to dwell in us. 
I'm one who I believe the work of the Spirit in our lives is pretty mysterious. I don't have the Holy Spirit figured out. Like, you know, the Pentecostals have him in this box, and here's how he works. And the Charismatics put him in this box, and here's how he works. And, the, you know, the conservative, I was going to name one, the Baptist put him in this box, and here's how he works. Here's something I found. He's kind of a mysterious person who works in our lives in a pretty mysterious way. And I'm not sure we're ever going to figure him out. Why? Because he's God, and he's working in us. And John says, man, listen, open yourself up to the work of the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to begin working in you in such a way that you're willing to love that person across the room. You're willing to love the person maybe in the next aisle. Maybe even the person in the next chair. I don't know. But are you going to do it? Are we going to step out? Listen, are we really going to step out and do this? Or are we going to say, yeah, Pat, that was the okay lesson on love. Thank you for the definitions in the beginning. And yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. But you know what? I'm more of a word guy. So I'm just going to love people in word. And the rest of y'all do that in deed and truth. But I'm just like a word person. Don't do that. Let's get busy. Let's decide in our hearts we're gonna do something different. And we're really gonna care about each other. I know in a church's size it gets hard. And listen, I'm not telling you have to love every single person in here. You don't know every person. You don't even know people's names. But man, grab one or two. Maybe you could even start just like remembering to pray for Arlen. Lifting him up, lifting up the family. I'll give you their names again, Arlen and Cynthia, Isaac. And just start there. That's a starting place. And begin working that way. But you know what? I'm gonna challenge you. Talk to people in the church. We have people that are hurting. We have people that are going through some horrific things. Do you know that in the last two months, we've done eight different memorial services in our fellowship? That's a lot. That's a lot for a church this size. And there are people who were here and aren't here anymore. We need to understand that. And they have family that are hurting. We don't know that, why? Because we're going out that door, out that door, out that door. See, notice I didn't call out the side door, people only. And we're not involved in each other's lives. And here's what John says. Then don't go around saying the love of Christ abides in you. Because it doesn't. Wow. A little convicting, isn't it? So let's change. Listen, this isn't about head knowledge. Let's decide I'm going to be different. Starting today, I'm going to allow the Spirit to work in my life. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your grace in our lives. And I thank you for the challenge John gives us as he writes this out. And once again, I don't believe at all that John's writing this and 
you know, man, this is for so-and-so, and they need to, I, I believe John's just pouring out his heart and the things that he's seeing and the things he's seeing in his own life. And then over the centuries, the millenniums, this has been read and reread and applied. And now here we are in this year 2022, reading this passage, knowing that things need to change. So I'm asking that you would give us the grace to change those things that need to change. God, work. Holy Spirit, have your way with us and be glorified in our lives. Do the work that only you can do. And I thank you that you have such great plans for us as individuals and you have great plans for us as a fellowship. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a couple more minutes. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. Let the Holy Spirit change you and work in you. Call on his name, the Bible says, and you will be saved. And just to boil that down, that means you need to come to him and be honest with the Lord. If you want this morning to start that relationship, the very first thing you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Not that God knows. He already knows. You need to know. You need to come to the place where you know you're a sinner. Secondly, you need to be sorry for that sin, broken over that sin. And then lastly, you need to understand because you've sinned, what you've earned from God. And what you've earned from God is his eternal wrath poured out on you. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God and his wrath being poured out. That's what that's talking about. All of that's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the penalty you owe. You owe and the, you're owed the eternal wrath of God. He took that upon himself. He took the wrath you deserve, he took the wrath I deserve, and he took it upon himself and paid the price. And now today, he tells you, your debt is paid. I've taken care of it. Just receive it from me. And that's why we say call on his name. Say this prayer with me. If you want to receive the forgiveness of God, and maybe you've come to this church for a long time, and God hit your heart today, say this prayer with me. Let him know that today you know you need salvation. Maybe you're visiting, and God touched your heart. Say this prayer. If you're watching online, you can say it right there in your home. You don't have to be here. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Let him know that today, man, you want that relationship renewed. Say this prayer. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you today 
for taking my sin. And right now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Right now, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.